KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 o'clock and you are listening to Community Radio. Today is Wednesday, April 6th. This is the KVMR Evening News. I'm Claudio Mendoza. There are reports that the Sacramento County District Attorney made a plea last year not to release one of the suspects that was involved with Sunday's mass shooting. The California report shares the details. Hydrogeologist Steve Baker is here, sharing the latest water-related developments from the Great Central Valley. And Maya Cruz, one of KVMR's Youth News Corps reporters, shares how reading can help one cope with anxiety. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. The first suspect arrested in connection to this week's mass shooting in Sacramento, DeAndre Martin, made his first brief appearance in court yesterday, where his case was assigned to a public defender. Martin is charged with illegal possession of a firearm, but he hasn't been charged with a crime directly connecting him to the shootings, which claimed the lives of six people. Linda Parisi is representing Martin. She spoke with reporters out Inside the courthouse. A felony charge is always a very serious charge. However, we just don't know if the facts and circumstances will cause the district attorney's office to file additional charges. Martin's brother, Smiley Allen Martin, has also been charged with being a prohibited person in possession of a firearm and in possession of a machine gun. The weapon, police say, is a stolen handgun found at the scene that had been modified into an automatic weapon. The Sacramento Bee reports that last year, Smiley Martin was also the subject of a plea by the Sacramento County DA's office that he not win early release from prison for earlier domestic violence and assault convictions. The board of parole hearings approved Martin's release in February of this year. Police have also announced a third arrest stemming from the shootings. Davion Dawson was allegedly seen carrying a gun after the incident. He was released after posting bail, but is expected to be charged with possessing a firearm despite being prohibited from having one. Police say at this time, Dawson is not being charged with crimes directly related to the shootings. Meanwhile, Sacramento's Mayor Daryl Steinberg is joining victim and criminal justice reform advocates to demand that the state do more to stem violence. Here's KQED politics correspondent Marisa Lagos. Nineteen community groups are calling on state leaders to invest $3 billion in local programs to support crime survivors and help interrupt cycles of violence. The request comes as the state enjoys a massive budget surplus and as violent crime surges. Tanish Hollins is executive director of Californians for Safety and Justice, which supports survivors of crime and pushes for criminal justice reform. What we are hoping to do is make public safety more comprehensive and get the state off of the defense. Among their specific requests, $100 million for counties and cities to partner with community-based organizations to stop people from cycling through hospitals and jails, and more than $300 million to directly help victims. For the California Report, I'm Marisa Lagos. One month ago, Governor Gavin Newsom unveiled an ambitious proposal to create mental health courts in California. These so-called care courts would be places where homeless people with severe mental health disorders could get connected to the treatment they need. But more controversially, the courts would also have the authority to force some people into care if they didn't want to go, raising concerns about abuse and civil liberties. In the weeks since the care courts proposal was announced, lots of people have waited 
weighed in with opinions, elected officials, mental health professionals, and civil rights advocates. But we wanted to talk about the idea with unhoused Californians who have grappled with mental illness. So, in LA's Skid Row neighborhood, I met Alicia, Tisha, and LL. They agreed to talk about their own struggles with mental health while living on the streets if we didn't use their full names. They had a lot to say, starting with the mental health crisis on Skid Row. How big are the mental health problems for people here? Extreme, catastrophic. It's, yeah, it is. It is the main issue out here. It is the main issue. Eighty-five percent of people out here has a mental problem. Yeah. And I, how I, many percent? Eighty-five percent. Eighty-five percent. I can use myself as an example. One yeah. of the reasons why I'm in the situation that I'm in, I was established and I was struggling with mental health. Yeah. Went off my medicine. Things so got backed not. up with Medi-Cal, and I wasn't able to, to be stable. So. You know, there's this idea to, to start these these courts and, and, in essence, make it easier to take people off the streets if they're having mental health episodes, even if they don't want to go initially. Is that to you, as somebody who's had mental health health issues, does that sound like a good idea I mean, or too per- extreme? For, for me personally, I can't speak for anyone sure, else. Of course. But for me, um, while I was going through what I was going through at the time, I would have loved for somebody to come yeah, and pull me up off the street. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they'll I, because when you're in that state and you're having a mental breakdown, you need someone perfectly. else to do for right. you what you can't do for yourself. Absolutely. And for people who would say, well, you know, that could threaten people's personal freedoms or civil liberties. I mean, Any thoughts there? My, or? my my personal belief, when you're in that state and, and you're having a mental breakdown, you lose all your freedom and your civil liberties anyway. Because you're on the streets living like a dog, like an animal. And so you don't have any rights at that point. Yeah, please, please, absolutely. I'm really wary of that kind of thing, though, because you don't want people coming through and just, you know, gathering everybody up in some sort of cattle call. People have a right to to their own self-determination, and I'm sorry if people are in bad positions with drugs and mental health. If you want to help people, if you want to offer them the help and really offer them good services, you'd be surprised how many people will be more than happy to jump on. It isn't that people... You have to do it with kind of a light touch. You have to do it with a touch where you never forget that you're dealing with a human being just like yourself. What I want to see is real programs that are effective and that, you know, are are actually available. Half the times the programs open up, but they're all booked up and there's no way to get in. Again, that was LL, Tisha, and Alicia in LA Skid Row neighborhood. Governor Newsom's plan to create mental health courts must be approved by the state legislature if it's going to become a reality. No word yet on that timeline. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, providing people with financial tools like the Retirement Planner to help them achieve their financial goals. PersonalCapital.com. Paint Care, now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at PaintCare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement.
And that's the California Report for Wednesday, April 6th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and have a good day. In regional weather, sunny and clear days abound for our entire listening area. Tonight in Nevada City and Grass Valley, clear with a low around 54. Thursday, sunny and warm with a high near 86. Thursday night, mostly clear with a low around 56. In Truckee and the Lake Tahoe area, this evening mostly clear with a low around 34. Thursday is expected to be sunny with a high near 71. Thursday night, Truckee and Lake Tahoe will be partly cloudy with a low around 39. Tonight, Sacramento and Woodland will be clear with a low around 52. On Thursday, the heat is on. Sunday, high 90 degrees. Things cool down on Thursday night. Sacramento and Woodland will be partly cloudy with a low around 56. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Dry rice paddies and wet water solar panels. On tonight's water news, hydrologist Steve Baker shares news from the Great Valley of California with KVMR's Paul Emery. This water news with Steve Baker is supported by Clearwater and Filtration on Rough and Ready Highway, Grass Valley. Well, Steve, welcome back to KVMR, and it's time for water news. Uh, Steve, um, I understand there are some important reports that are supposed to be announced in April. Can you tell us about this? Well, you know, in April, we have another snowpack measurement. So uh, cross our fingers, but I'm... I'm imagining that it won't be all that great. Uh, The Department of Water Resources, they finished on March 28th their Bolton forecast update. And this will give us an idea as to what the conditions are. We've been in an extreme dry condition since January 1st. No surprises there, right? Statewide snowpack, last time things were measured, was at 39% of the average. So snowpack, you know on January 1st was way above average. And now we are actually a little below what it was last year at this time. So things have changed quite a bit. The National Weather Service uh, Climate Prediction Center has given a one-month outlook. And basically, chances are above or below normal temperatures and precipitation. In other words, we have no idea what's going to happen. Nothing very dramatic will be changing from what we've experienced already. So how is California uh, going to respond to this? Well, we're going to throw $2.9 billion. Uh, It's been proposed to pay farmers to reduce their planting. And that, uh, which is a very difficult thing to actually do, is a part of a voluntary agreement that was negotiated between the government and also some major water agencies. So it's a big, big deal. Uh, California plans to take probably 35,000 acres of rice out of production just trying to reduce that footprint. So what do you think the greatest opportunity is to reduce our water use? Well, Paul, I always thought that it was outdoor water, you know, for our rural suburbia type environments. And of course, you know, that's true. But if you look at the same question uh, about reducing water from a California-wide perspective, that represents only 4% of the water that we use in California. So guess what? 
The issue is meat and dairy production industries. 47% of California's water goes towards those products. And if you think about it, each animal needs a significant amount of water every single day. And then on top of that, you have the food that requires water also to grow. And the largest feed crop for the, uh, the industries of, you know, the animal industries are, is alfalfa. And then the third largest would be pasture, you know, for these animals. So putting it into perspective, and this is a gentleman named Muhan uh, Guru Nathan. He's a local environmental activist. He stated that just the water to feed the animals, okay, not the, not the plants that they eat, just the water that feeds the animals uses more than twice the amount of water that we need when we grow almonds and pistachios. Because everyone's been against the pistachio and almond industry, right? Well, let's go vegetarian is what this tells me. We need to be careful. Now, there's a new bill, AB 2764, that would halt the construction and expansion of factory farms and slaughterhouses in California. So we'll see where this takes us. But we do have to lower lessen our footprint. That's an astounding amount of water, Steve. I've never heard a description of that before. I hadn't either until, you know, I, I ran across this. So, uh, we, you know, it adds a different perspective. All these things are important in our lives. However, we need to take them on in different proportions, I think, to make things work in the big picture. Steve, you also mentioned to me that there was some really great news regarding helping Central Valley residents that have drinking water tainted with nitrates and arsenic. Uh, tell us about this. Uh, you know, that's it's really good news, Paul, because that's been a real stickler. Uh, how do you help these people? Financially, it's not happening. Uh, every day, there's a lot of people, farm workers and others, who are drinking from wells that have nitrates, arsenic, and other metals in them. Well, there's a nonprofit, and it's called Source, and they have a program that is uh, donating solar water panels to create clean, safe, high-quality drinking water without wells, without a city water service, and also uh, no electrical hookups. <laughs> how do you do that? Yes, how do you do that, Steve? Well, they're getting the water out of the air. That's how they're doing it. And they can get enough water to handle to uh, uh, a family of four or something like that with one of these uh, these uh, these things that they, they put in. And um, it's it's a great way to go. They, they take the water out of the air and then they convert it into healthy drinking water. But then you need to add minerals so it tastes good. And it, it, it supports uh, uh, good, healthy uh, bodies. And uh, so they add minerals. And one of the great things that we have when, when we get into these droughts, and we're in them all the time, it seems, is that it really sparks that level of creativity and innovation in, in people to come up with new ways of, of solving our problems. So, hey, stay tuned, everybody, because we're going to start talking a lot more about innovations, and you'll be hearing that on KVMR. So, so instead of having a well, you have one of these devices up on your roof. Yeah, and it will be only for drinking water, and it takes almost nothing to to run it. These uh, these uh, people that will be using it will be saving on top of getting their water. They'll be saving probably eight hundred forty dollars a year, is what's been stated. So, it's a win win. It's great. And I, I can see even us here having something like this uh, up in the foothills. Fascinating, Steve. Yeah. Hey, thanks great. a lot. I, I love it when you bring us new information. You betcha. 
Managing groundwater is Steve Baker's career and passion, and that has led him into working on all water sources and supplies. This has been another conversation with KVMR's water guy, Steve Baker. You can email him with your questions at water at operationunite.co. We continue our celebration of National Library Week by bringing you the second story from KVMR's Youth News Corps. Tonight, Maya Cruz talks to library assistant Jessica Dax from Bear River High School about how reading can help one cope with anxiety and how the library is a safe and welcoming space for all. People are constantly struggling and our emotional health significantly impacts our daily lives. But how do we cope? How do we make ourselves feel better in times of struggle? Here at Bear River High School Library, we explore how reading can be an excellent coping school and a great way to self-educate and self-help. Jessica Dax tells us about her experience with students every day at the library and how reading can help us through times of struggle. Hello, this is Maya Cruz reporting for KVMR Youth News Corps. And here today, I'm joined by Jessica Dax, the infamous library assistant at Bear River High School. I've been looking forward to this interview, and I'm so excited to finally have the opportunity to get together with you. Thank you for joining me. So first things first, tell us about yourself. What's your perspective as a library assistant? And what do you do here at the school? Our most important job, both me and the librarian, is uh, making sure that this is a safe place for all students and that we're here to help them. Um, just make it through the day or help them find a book for them to read. Help them find the genre that they love. Give them somewhere, a safe place to be. How long have you been working here at the library and what made you decide to take the job? And do you like what the job entails? And if so, why? This is my eighth year here at Bear River. Before that, I was at NU in the student store. Um, That job got eliminated, so this is the job that I was accepted at, and I absolutely love my job. It was definitely meant to be. I love working with students, and I hope to be here for a long time. So why did you decide to take the job? Well, honestly, I needed a job, and I wanted to be in the school district because I love working with kids. It's the greatest, and it was offered to me, and it was a great opportunity to be here at Bear River. Do you like what the job entails? Yeah, it's great. There's lots of different things to keep me busy from textbooks and Chromebooks, finding new books and covering them and getting them ready for kids to check out and a lot of interaction with people, students, parents, teachers. So yeah, it's a a great job. I love it. Speaking of students, students are always struggling in different aspects of their daily lives. And I think this is especially true when we get older. And, you know, every person has various ways of dealing with their struggles. And accordingly, I think we must consider the broad spectrum of diverse ways of dealing with our problems. What's what's your take on um, importance of coping skills. Yeah, I think I think our, our mental health as humans and especially as teens is super important and luckily is being talked about more and there's more help available than there used to be. I have two teenagers at home. All three of us, you know, need help from time to time coping with different stresses in life, especially right now, just with everything going on in the world and learning coping mechanisms, using them, whether it's seeing a therapist or, you know, if your doctor decides with you that you need medication or journaling or just finding something that you love to do. It's so important to take care of yourself and make sure that you're okay. In terms of coping, you know, what coping strategies did you use as a teenager or use now and how did they help you? For me personally, it's really helpful when I talk about what I'm stressing about. I've seen therapists in the past. You have to you have to find what really works for you, but there's so many options out there now. It's, it's wonderful that we're not just hiding issues. We're, we're getting help for them. Do you think reading is a good coping strategy? 
Yeah, reading definitely can be. If it's, you know, a self-help book that helps you figure out a coping mechanism, or if it's just a fiction book that, and a genre that you like to read that takes you out of the here and now, that takes you to somewhere that's more comfortable for a minute, it can definitely help. Have students ever come to you for support or opened up to you about their issues? Sometimes. Usually it's just, you know, little things, needing someone to talk to, maybe need a hug or, you know, just a safe place to be. If it's something more serious, we have, you know, I I tell them about our um, therapists on campus. We have a psychologist and we have our school counselors. Have students ever come to you about like mental health or mental illness books or like do they frequently check them out? We've had a few requests for certain books, um, even if it's just poetry a student wanted to read, that would help. We do have some like workbooks for anxiety for, for teens. A student will just come in and find it. We are more than happy to help them locate where that section is. What do you think about mental health or like self-help books? Do you find them helpful? Some people like to journal. Some people like to read. Definitely not for everyone. Some people just really don't like reading. And if you find the right one, just like if you find the right therapist, if you find the right book, it can be life-changing. Do you have a favorite book? I like historical fiction and nonfiction. I like learning about our past. I don't really have a favorite book. Are there any books that have helped you during times of struggle or with your mental health? I read one that it was called How to Deal with the Loss of a Love. And it's little poems. It's little one-pagers that you can just read one at a time. And it helps you refocus or maybe see a different perspective of the pain that you're going through at the time. The short little quick things that you can just like, if you're feeling anxious, you can pull it out and read one page and it makes you feel better for a moment. Why did you think that helped you? It made me feel not alone, like I wasn't the only person in that situation that had to figure out how to, you know, have a new reality. You know, life changes. It can be hard. But if you know that you're not the first, you won't be the last to go through that same situation. Mm -hmm. It just helps to know that you're not alone in that way. Are there any books like that you recommend to anybody who's struggling? There's such a huge selection. We, we do have a, a few psychology, you know, workbooks here for anxiety. We have some on grieving. It depends on how you intake the different ways of learning coping mechanisms or finding what helps you. There's so many options. It's hard to have one that is just all encompassing. Do you think there's any books to avoid due to like specific triggers? There's definitely a, a lot of books, fiction on, and nonfiction, about whether it's abuse or drug use or difficult childhoods. So if those are triggers for you and you're not ready, you're not healed enough to read those, to possibly re-experience it through someone else's eyes, I would ask, hey, can you recommend books that are happy or maybe romance books or comedy books? And definitely ask your librarian to help you avoid any subjects that might trigger you. Do students often come to the library as like a sanctuary or a safe space? Throughout the years, we've had different students come in for different reasons, needing a quiet place to settle down, to ground themselves back from being upset. And we've had students come in crying and needing just a little privacy so they can go in our office if need be. And if they need to talk, we're here. But yeah, we're definitely a safe place. We're accepting of, of all people and all races, all shape sizes. We love having a diverse audience here. Your favorite book that you were talking about, has that helped you when you were struggling? Yeah, when I was in a little darkness during a a life change, it definitely helped me. And I actually um, gifted it when I was finished, when I had healed and felt I I could pass it on. I gave it to my aunt whose husband passed away suddenly because I thought it could help her. And it did. It's just a little way of having a little light brought back into your life when you feel like you're in the dark.